Good morning, everyone. Hope you all, as we get into this week, if I don't get to see you beforehand, I want to just say now, happy Thanksgiving, and I hope you have a great time with your family during, uh, during this week. Today we come to the last sermon in this series, Be Still, Slowing Down in a Busy World. And during this series, we have sought to discover the importance of intentional time to be still before God. A few years ago, Pastor Kevin DeYoung wrote a book entitled Crazy Busy, a merciful short book about a really big problem. And his, in his conclusion, Pastor DeYoung writes, Making consistent time for the Word of God and prayer is the place to start because being with Jesus is the only thing strong enough to pull us away from busyness. Seems like he is teaching us, like Mary learned, that she needed to find the good portion as, Jesus, as she sat at Jesus' feet listening to his teaching. And today, as well as every day, we need to remind ourselves of the words that Jesus told Martha. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good portion, slowing down in a busy world. Today we're going to come to the topic of be still and listen. Our text actually comes from 1 Kings chapter 19, where we find the prophet Elijah in an extreme state of depression and God's prescription for his relief. Now, the prophet Isaiah is actually mentioned 29 times in the New Testament. So that makes him the most celebrated prophet of the Old Testament. God used Elijah during an important time in Israel's history to oppose a wicked king by the name of Ahab and his evil wife Jezebel. Now these two, the king and his wife, had introduced and encouraged pagan worship to Baal during, in Israel. And Baal was considered the god of fertility and many believed that this god of Baal could actually enable the earth to grow crops and for people to produce children. Now, different regions worship Baal in different ways, and Baal proved to be a, a highly adaptable god. And if you're going to have a false god, a highly adaptable one is really the one that you want, all right? That was a joke, all right? I didn't work good at the 9 o'clock service either, all right? So anyway... Elijah's ministry marked the beginning of the end of this worship of Baal in, in Israel, which we're going to learn more about today. The prophet Elijah experienced both the great manifestations of God's power and the depths of personal depression. Let's face it. We all like the heroes of faith who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, Obtained promises, shuts mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword from weakness who were made strong, became mighty in war, and put foreign armies to flight. We like those types of heroes of the faith. But it's difficult for us to imagine one of our heroes of the faith battling with discouragement 
or as some call it, faith fatigue. Somewhere along the way, we begin to believe the lie that tells us that real Christians, real Christians are people who always have mountaintop experiences. Those running faster than the speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. That's the real Christian. But we forget that even Superman had kryptonite. The point is, is that while we all will experience times of great spiritual success, there are times when we need to fight against faith fatigue. Now, to get to the heart of today's sermon, I must give a lot of background. Actually, we're going to be covering from 1 Kings 18 into 1 Kings 19. And as I mentioned, the prophet Elijah was used by the Lord during an important time of history to oppose this wicked king Ahab and his evil wife Jezebel because they have introduced this pagan worship within Israel. And a showdown occurred in 1 Kings chapter 18 when Elijah confronted the wicked king Ahab along with 450 prophets of Baal. God's word reads, Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are a 450 men. Let them give us two oxen. And let them choose one ox for themselves and cut it up and place it on the wood, and put it, and, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare another ox and lay it on the wood, and I will put no fire under it. Then you will call in the name of your God, and I will call in the name of the Lord, the, and, and the God who answers by fire, for he is God. And the people says, that's a good idea. Uh, let's face it, everybody likes a good show, right? And this seems like it's going to be a good one. So the prophets of Baal prepared their altar and they called on the name of Baal from morning till noontime. But the Bible tells us, oh, they said, oh Baal, answer us. But there is no voice and no answer. So the prophet of Baal began dancing around their altar and they continued to cry out to Baal and nothing happened. So they began cutting themselves with swords, making deep lacerations on their body, blood gush, gushing out everywhere. And they did this until evening. But the Bible says, but there is still no voice, no answer, and no one paid attention. <laughs> then Elijah called the people together and prepared his altar. And he actually made a trench around the altar. And he called for water to be brought in and poured on the altar to the point where the water flowed around the altar and filled up the trench around the altar. And then Elijah prayed, Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned, and have turned their hearts back again. Now that's a very important verse in this text because this is really what Elijah is looking for. He's looking for everybody to turn their hearts back to the Lord. He's looking for this experience to be the thing that everybody will just 
just turn their backs, their hearts back to the Lord and be done with this foolishness with this false God. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, Lord, He is God, the Lord, He is God. And then Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal, do not let them escape. So they seized them and slew them. 150. What's interesting though is that Elijah did not harm the wicked king Ahab. As a matter of fact, Elijah showed acts of mercy and kindness towards him. Scripture tells us that he actually gave Ahab food and water and then gave him advice that he needed to leave quickly because a a thunderstorm was coming. He wanted him to go back to his wife, Jezebel, tell them about the great things that God had done and remember that they would, and hopefully that they would turn their hearts back to the Lord. This was his desire. So how did that work out for him? Well, now Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me, and even more, if I do not make your life as a life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Basically, I'm going to kill you in 24 hours. And he, Elijah, was afraid, and he arose, ran for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Elijah was experiencing faith fatigue. This is the same guy that God used to call fire down from heaven. He is now running for his life with his prophetic tail between his legs because of this threat from Jezebel. We we have to ask the question, how could this happen to such a man of God? And the answer is because Elijah allowed his expectations to control his emotions instead of allowing God to control his emotions. Elijah goes from this mountaintop experience to the deepest valley of despair, and he does it overnight. Emotions are really a strange thing, aren't they? They can capture us and hold us captive just like that. See, this only proves how fragile we really are and how much we need the stabilizing force of God in our lives. Again, Elijah believed that this dramatic experience with the prophets of Baal would change Ahab and Jezebel's life. That's the reason why he was kind to Ahab. But when it didn't, and he got this threat from Jezebel, Elijah felt like a failure. Maybe Elijah felt like God had let him down. Have you ever felt like God had let you down? Elijah had done everything right. His motives were pure. 
The prophet wanted the whole country to serve God, and he wanted it to start with the king and his wife. But when he heard these threats from Jezebel, he allowed his expectations to control his emotions instead of allowing God to be a stabilizing force in his life. Maybe Elijah thought something like this. this, if, this if this whole thing didn't change those two, then there's nothing that's ever going to change these two. Maybe it would be better for me just to give up. Maybe it would be better for me just to get out of the ministry. This perceived failure of his ministry had brought Elijah to a state of despondency. And it tells us that he fled the land. Brothers and sisters, spiritual leaders are human too. They have feelings and emotions. We put on the armor of God, but there are situations that can arise that can really cause some real dents in that armor. Criticism, lack of support, personal attacks, they're on the list of, of, on every site. Just Google it. What causes a pastor to leave a church? And those three things, criticism, lack of support, and personal attacks, will be in the top five of almost every list. It's difficult for us to accept the fact that great men of God, like Elijah, can get discouraged and feel defeated. But it happens. As a matter of fact, when you read the, all of 1 Kings 18, you'll see that he suffered from each of these things in his own personal life that led to this faith fatigue. And now this faith fatigue is leading him to make poor decisions. It tells us that he left his servant there. So what that means is that he's traveling by himself a day's journey into the wilderness. Notice he went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. So as Elijah is making this track all by himself, one day's journey into the wilderness, you can only imagine the self-conversations that he was having. And self-conversations can be the, the worst conversations you can have. He was traveling all alone. He was isolated. And isolation also will lead to poor decisions. I know when we go through difficult times, especially during times of despair, a lot of times we just want to be left alone. And there's an element of that that's really good. But being left alone for too long is really not a good thing. And so he traveled a whole day into the wilderness. And he finally found a spot under this juniper tree, which is just really a scraggly tree. No really good shade at all, but it's all that he could find. And there we see he summarizes the thoughts that have been haunting his mind all day long as he traveled. It says that he made a request for himself that he may die. He actually said to the Lord, It is enough now, O Lord, take my life, for I am not better than my father's. Now, there's a, there's a little bit of self-pity going on there. There's no doubt about that. But there is some reality there. The, the, but the fact is, this is how he felt. This is how Elijah felt. Christians are not immune from human feelings. 
Yes, we have the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit resides in human vessels that are frail and fragile. Our body, the Bible tells us, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. But sometimes there needs to be some repairs on that temple. Sometimes there needs to be some maintenance that's due. And the Bible tells us that episodes like this of what we find in 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19, they were written down so that we might learn from their experiences. So we must ask ourselves, what can we learn from this episode with Elijah? Now what's encouraging is at this point of the story, it takes a turn. And we begin to see God's provision for this frazzed out prophet who is fragile and in the state of despair. Actually it says that he lay down and slept under a juniper tree. Out of exhaustion, Elijah fell asleep. Now this is such a simple verse. You don't need to have a doctorate degree in theology to understand this verse. It tells us that he lay down and slept under the juniper tree because that's exactly what Elijah needed. He needed sleep. He had been on a whirlwind tour and he needed some rest. Brothers and sisters, God has ordained sleep and rest for our survival. God has ordained sleep and rest for our ability to function. So the Lord allowed time for Elijah to sleep before he brought the, his next provisions. The text goes on. And after some sleep, behold, there was an angel touching him and said to him, Arise, eat. Then he looked, and behold, there was at his head a bread cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of the Lord with that food 40 days and 40 nights to the mountain of God. What we see here is that two times Elijah was told to eat and drink, and two times he was allowed to sleep. And what we learn here is that God knows we are frail, that we're not Superman. He knows our frame, that we are but dust, and he is mindful that we possess bodies that must be cared for. And often our physical strength, our physical necessities must be taken care of before our spiritual person can function. I often tell people when they go through a time of crisis that they need to take care of themselves. Jesus says to love our neighbors as ourselves. There has to be a sense of personal care for yourself. Love for yourself, not in a weird sort of way, but in a practical sort of way. I tell people, take a walk. Go get a nice dinner. Have something to eat. 
I tell them, don't think that your sacrifice of nutrition and exercise is going to help this situation at all, because it won't. The point is that God was patient with Elijah. And the Lord will be patient with you. God was patient with him. Gave him time to sleep. Gave him time to eat and drink. He was patient with him. And the Lord will be patient with you. God gave Elijah what was necessary to bring him to a place where he would respond. Listen, God doesn't beat us into submission. He doesn't coerce us to get a proper response or to force us to, to honor him. God brings us to a place where we willingly respond to his grace. Amen? And after God's gracious provisions, Elijah took off for the mountain of God. Mount Horeb, which is also Mount Sinai. And now we come to the heart of the story. I want you to notice, though, that the text tells us that Elijah rose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to the mountain of God. Now, what is interesting here is it doesn't take 40 days and 40 nights to get to the mountain. It's only a seven, maybe an eight-day journey. So something's up. 40 days and 40 nights? What do you need 40 days and 40 nights for? You can get there in a week. It seems to me that Elijah was looking for some dramatic experience with God to compensate for his emotional failure. He wanted some big blowout experience with God that would prove that he was the prophet of God. Something that would take him away from the guilt that he felt for having this emotional breakdown. And of course, when we think of this mountain of God, we think of the awesome, powerful acts of God that he did on this mountain. I, I think Elijah was looking for what I was ta taught when I was a kid growing up in church. He's looking for a jolt from the Holy Ghost. One of those type of things. He was looking for something which is like, wow, that was what I needed. Now, we have to remember that this was the same territory that God had called Moses in the burning bush. Now, that would have been dramatic. Maybe Elijah was looking for something like that. This was the same mountain where Moses beheld the glory of the Lord as the Lord passed by and he sat in the cleft of the rock. Now that would have been spectacular. Maybe Elijah is looking for something like that. Maybe, remember this is the same mountain where, where Moses spent 40 days and 40 nights with the Lord without food or water. See the correlation here? As Moses wrote the Ten Commandments on the tablets of stone, sitting there with the Lord himself, that would have been quite an experience. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches us that Moses' face, it radiated with brightness because he had sat with the Lord and speaking to him directly for such a long time. That would have been cool. 
It seems to me that Elijah was seeking the same type of dramatic experience to prove that he was the prophet of God and not some failure. Brothers and sisters, let me just say to you, don't settle for someone else's experience with God. Have your own. I grew up in a church, one dramatic testimony after another, after another, after another, after another. And here I sat and I didn't have any dramatic testimony at all. And after a while you start wondering, is there something wrong with me? Why, why aren't I experiencing all this you know, spiritual stuff, man? There must be a problem with me. I'm, I was settling for somebody else's experience with God instead of me Seeking out my own experience with God. Don't settle for somebody else's experience. Have your own. Well, then he came there to a cave and he lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? (laughs) The Lord inquires about Elijah's motives for even coming to the mountain of God. And Elijah responds, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, tore down your altars, kill your prophets with a sword. I alone am left and seeking to take my life, and they are seeking to take my life away. Again, a little bit of a pity party, but some truth in it. It doesn't matter, though. This is exactly how Elijah felt. And the Lord allows him to vent his frustrations. Remember to always express your feelings to God. He already knows your heart. He already knows what you're thinking. So you might as well get it off your chest. You might as well just put it out there and say it. Listen, he's a big God. He can handle it. Say it. So the Lord says to Elijah, go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by. He finally gets what he's waiting for. This dramatic experience. An experience maybe like Moses had when the Lord passed him by showing him the glory of the Lord. But then the text continues. And a great and strong wind was rendering the mountains and breaking in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after that, after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire... A sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and he went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Brothers and sisters, the Lord is not always in the loud and showy events of history. I know we all like to be entertained. I know we've all been taught that the bigger the better. But it's not necessarily true. Yes, there have been times that the Lord was in the mighty rushing wind like he was on the day of Pentecost. But not this time. 
There had been times when the Lord was in the earthquake, like the time that Paul and Silas were in that prison cell in Philippi, but not this time. There have been times when the Lord was in the fire, like the fiery furnace of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but not this time. Yes, we know for certain that God can speak through the mighty wind, the earthquake, and the fire, but not, only, not always, and let me say, not usually. Not usually. Usually God doesn't speak through the wind, the earthquakes, and the fires of our lives. God speaks to us in a gentle whisper. Most of us will never experience a miracle, a healing, or a spectacular display of God's paper, power. But I'm telling you, each one of us can listen to the gentle whisper of God. But to hear the gentle whisper of God, we must learn how to be still and listen. When Elijah heard this gentle whisper, he knew it was the Lord. So he wrapped his face in his mantle, and like the angels in the presence of God, wrapped their wings around their face. And he went out to listen to the gentle whisper of God. As my grandmother would say, just listen to the small voice of God, the still small voice of God. Brian, if you just listen to the still small voice of God, you'll do the right thing. Listen, I was raised in a Pentecostal church. I don't think I could see anything more than what I've already seen. I've seen people rolling around literally on the floors, barking like dogs because a demon was coming out of them. I've seen all the laying upon of hands and people falling down and being slain in the spirit. I've seen people going into exorcism services. I've actually sat through them. I don't think there's much that goes on in the big and the loud and the spectacular that I haven't seen. But let me just say this. In most of it, God wasn't in it. He can do any of those things. But I have to tell you, this gentle voice of God has been my constant companion. The gentle whisper of God has been the constant messenger of God to my heart. The point is, is that God is speaking in a still, small voice to show Elijah that the work of God doesn't necessarily need to be accompanied by the dramatic revelations and manifestations. The work of God is not by might nor by power, but it's by His Spirit. Displays of power do not necessarily equate to the work of God, God usually and normally works by speaking to us in a gentle whisper by His Holy Spirit to our hearts. And Elijah 
finally realized that he didn't need the spectacular. The soft, reassuring voice of God would do just fine for him. And when he recognized that, he understood that he wasn't a failure. He was frail. He was needy. But he wasn't a failure. He realized that he had just forgotten how to remove himself from all the drama. He had forgotten how to remove himself from the clamor and from all the threats. He had forgotten how to be still and listen to the gentle voice of God. And like Mary will do centuries later, Elijah finally chose the good portion to sit at the feet of Jesus. To make the decision to sit and listen to the gentle voice of God. And what I'm saying to you today is I think we would do well to follow his example. There's so much noise in the world, so many voices. Even our own voice sometimes clouds our, our own thinking. But we have, to remove, we have to learn how to remove ourselves from the clamor and to be still and listen to the gentle voice of God through his word and through prayer and through the peaceful sounds of creation. I like just getting up in early in the morning and go to sit in my recliner and listen to the birds sing their praise songs to God. That's so cool, man. Just to sit and listen and wondering what they're singing about. Several years ago, as a result of becoming deathly ill, the doctors had to amp- do some amputations on both of my feet. And to aid my recovery for these dramatic surgeries, a decision was made for me to start treatment in what's called the hyperbaric chamber. Hyperbaric chamber, you can look it up online, but it's about the size of a coffin. And they lay you on your back and they roll you in there. And it's an oxygen-induced treatment where the oxygen is basically rushed and being able to go to your wounds to speed up the healing process. It works. It works. The problem is, is that you're in that coffin-like tube for 90 minutes. And there's no way out. Once they roll you in there, you're laying on your back in this coffin. When they lock that door, you can't get out. There's no out for 90 minutes. And I had 90 sessions in that tube. I have to tell you, At first, I was scared. I was totally freaked out. But then after a while, I started to enjoy that hyperbaric chamber. Because it became my personal sanctuary. Far away from all the noise of the hospital, those dinging monitors, and the constant interruptions from caring staff of nurses and doctors. I knew when they wheeled me in there that I was going to be in there for 90 minutes. This was for me and God. It gave me time, the hyperbaric chamber gave me time to be still 
and listen because there wasn't anywhere I was going. And I didn't know how things were going to work out. But as, as I separated myself from all the clamor, I was able to be refreshed by the, God's presence and listen to his gentle whisper saying, you are my child and I will take care of you. Just a gentle whisper of reassurance can go a long way if we'll just stop and listen. As we conclude this series, I want to encourage you to find your own personal sanctuary. I want to encourage you to be still and slow down in this busy world. God knows that we are fragile. God knows that we can suffer faith fatigue. And let me just tell you, he's not freaked out about that. He wants to provide for us the provisions that we need to regain our strength. And he wants to speak to us in a gentle whisper, reassuring us that we are the children of God. Be still and listen. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you today asking that you would really minister to our hearts. We thank you, Lord, for this episode from Scripture that really tells us a lot about ourselves and our needs. Lord, we know that you know that we are fragile. You know that we can suffer from faith fatigue. We know that you're not freaked out about this at all. But we ask you, Lord, that you would send your provisions to us. We ask you, Lord, that you might work in us so that we might gain strength. We ask you, Lord, to speak to us as your children in the gentle whisper. We ask you to work in our hearts so that we would be still and listen. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.